Psalm 66, verse 16. When you got it, say, I got it. In the readings there, I'm reading out of the New International Version. Come and listen, all who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Father, we give you all the honor. For you are truly worthy to be praised. Lord, I ask that um, you touch hearts and ignite people's faith into more than what they've done thus far. That they would welcome taking a deeper walk with you. Irrespective of what people are saying or what the world is doing, that we would dedicate ourselves unto you, Holy Spirit. Move, change hearts, redirect paths, Motivated, motivate those who have lost that fire. Moving signs and wonders, I pray. And we all said, Amen and Amen. How many here want God to answer your prayers? I mean, that's like a, a loaded question here. Now, I can't claim to uh, fully understand how. Communication with God works. But I know it works. James says in James 5.13, If any one of you is in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? He should sing praise songs. Kind of sounds uh, logical. In James 5.16, he goes on as he's talking about prayer. He says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, that, that always has um, caught my attention because I want my life to be powerful and effective. But what also has kind of intrigued me is when I look at the opening scripture in Psalms, and we know that the book of Psalms was written by, most of it was written by King David, and God said that he was a man after his own heart. And he goes on to say this, if I had cherished sin in my heart. And knowing his history, we know that his life is full of sin. He was a fornicator, he was a liar, he was a murderer, he was a thief. Nonetheless, somehow he, he had the audacity, the faith, the courage to write, if I had cherished sin in my heart. So that tells me something about the human condition. Um, sometimes people just can't help themselves. Okay, God bless two of you. You've got your honest the rest of your life. Sometimes people just can't help themselves. 
get caught in these situations that are beyond their capability of saying no. Right? No, no. And then you come on out the other side being used and made to feel cheap. A righteous man will, will always fight against sin in your prayers. Why do I say that? I'm saying because it's not that you're not going to sin because you are. And it's not that you're not going to fail at times because you will. But there, there is a mindset that keeps you on the right path. Despite David's trouble, he was able to claim that great title of a man after God's own heart. Amazing. Right? And I don't think it so much, although sin is terrible, it's our fight against it that counts. But we're go- we have to fight against it because it's always going to knock on your door. Whatever your weakness is, when it comes, you're going to have to say, oh, how you doing, old friend? Because it's always going to come to you. Whatever your weakness is, I don't know, some of you are perverted, well, that's going to come to you all your life. Some of you like to get high, you're going to always want to, every now and then, you'll fly back in, I'm thinking about, hey, maybe I can get high. You've got to learn to fight that off. And as time goes on, you get better and better and better. But in the beginning, when you're a flesh monster, it's very difficult. We have a lot of Godzillas in the spirit. Flesh monsters, ah, right? They, they just fall for anything. Sin hinders our communication with God, and that's what I'm talking about. We're going to pray, and we're talking about trying to get a, an idea, a hand around God's holiness. And we really can't unless we begin to communicate with Him. Sin, though, is like a bad connection on the cell phone. Did you like that? Like, I, I see some people that have these cheap cell phones, and they call you, and you hate, you hate them calling you. You go, hello? 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 Can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? Can you hear What? 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 Why don't you buy a good phone? Throw away that cheapo metro phone and smash it. Because half your calls will fall out. You can't hear you. And then they go, but it's cheap. Yes, right, it is cheap. Well, uh-huh. But that's how sin is. Sin is like calling God and God says, huh? What? Uh-huh. Because you call in with a cheap phone. Well... So we need a dedicated lung to free us from outside interference, right? You know, and a dedicated line costs money to be installed. You know, in, in a previous life, I was a photocopier technician for the University of Southern California, uh, uh, Santa Clara, rather, University of Santa Clara. I, I fixed photo, photocopiers and office equipment, but all our equipment had to have a dedicated line. In other words, no, no other device could be on the line with my piece of equipment. So they had to actually run a dedicated line. Now, some of you don't know that, like in your kitchen, your garbage disposals or different things are on a dedicated line. And then we, we, we go, well, I plug something in into this, and, and it doesn't work right. You know, every time I turn the garbage disposal, my TV goes, well, you can't plug your TV into the garbage disposal plug. Okay, the garbage disposal needs a dedicated line. But to do that, it means you have to cost money. You have to pay money. Well, see, dedicated lines are very important, right? The, that dedicated line gives all the other things around it protection, and it also protects the piece of equipment on it. A dedicated line, right? A dedicated line also gives security. 
It's like when you call on your cell phone, because we're, we're in this generation, you, you, you don't know, or maybe you may know, that because we're able to pick up that phone and talk, and that our voice goes in the sky. Anybody can grab your voice in the sky and listen. Why? Because it's in the sky. All you need is a device to say, there he is, there she is, listen, what are they saying? And they tap it and they catch your signal in the sky. Very simple. Why? Because you don't have a dedicated line. You have a, you have a free line. You have a loosey-goosey, right? It's just free. That's everything that you're carrying. So the government, those who wish or who want, can listen to everything you say. Everything. Because it's not dedicated. Now, the President of the United States, when he picked up his phone, oh, no, it's dedicated. There's only one person on that line, the person he's talking to and him. It's a dedicated line. But to have a dedicated line, it costs money. you got to hire, you got to have firewalls and all this protection. But it is a dedicated line. But one thing a dedicated line does do, it gives clear communication. You could talk to the person you're talking to when you have a dedicated line. And we need a dedicated line to God. See, a dedicated line gives no room for the devil. So on our life goal, our life groups, our, our, our goal is to stop backsliding and backbiting so we can have more of a, of a, a touch on what's happening in the people's lives. Because we don't know what's happening when you go home, when you leave, or whatever. So we're trying, to, we're trying to secure our communication, if you will. So how many of us really have a dedicated line to God? Mm, dedicated line. I mean, dedicated Dedicated God means to set apart for a special use, to devote to some special work or duty. See, God's intent is always to have a group of people dedicated to him. And it's those dedicated people that are, that are the dedicated line. You know, there's always a remnant of people who are so serious about God, they keep a church going. There's a remnant of people who are so serious about God, they keep a ministry in tune. There are a group of people that are so dedicated that things keep happening. Now, the other people are not as dedicated. So they're on their cell phone, and every now and then, it's just, hello, huh? Can, can you hear me? No, what? what? Uh-huh. It's hard to keep good communication, right? So God, God wants to dedicate people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, and when we dedicate our, our, ourselves to God, this is when miracles happen. Because dedication takes faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And everybody said, God, everybody said, they want God. God answer my prayer. And if I would, the follow-up question is, why should he? Because you're you? Let me, let me let you in on a little secret. That's not good enough. Huh? So we have to really begin to look at. And, and I, I sit back and I, and I watch people come in, new Christians to old Christians. And, and I always see very, a similarity in that first attack on a believer's life. And they come in and they're excited. They want to do something for God. They enter into a point where God, they have a, a desire for God and, and they want to complete the, uh, their life in God and, and they have total dedication. But as they mature at a crucial juncture, your flesh and your spirit begin to war. Because in the beginning, you're just in love with the Lord and everything is beautiful. And you're coming along and all of a sudden, you're getting more mature. You've been around a while. And then you hit a valley point where, oh, I don't know if I don't want all this. And you're going through these struggles where your, your flesh and your spirit begin to wage war. And, and so I'm attempting to describe a heightened level battle 
in the spirit that everybody experiences. Huh? Luke 6, 9, 62, Jesus said to them, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm talking about. We're in Christ. You're coming in. You want to do something. And there is a tendency to want to look back. And Jesus says, you know what? If you start looking back, you're not fit. Something's going to happen to you. We know the story uh, of Lot when his family was taken out. And the angel says, when well, you're leaving out Sodom and Gomorrah, don't look back. And what did the woman do? What did she do? She looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Right? Destroyed. Died. No. no. See, to step into one's calling, and this is the catch, when God says, I have a call in your life, and you begin to take a step. Why are you taking a step? Because you hear Pastor Al preach a, preach a sermon like this. You begin to take a step. You're taking that step. When you begin that step, all of a sudden you have to decide, is this too much for you? Or are you going to do it? Most say, oh, this is too much. I'm, I'm out of here. This is getting too heavy. I don't want to be all that. I want to be a hallelujah, holy roller. Like, it's just too much. And then, then, then they start to pull back from God. It's right there. Right there. Sin is introduced. There you go. Because the devil checks you out. He sees what you're up to. He says, oh, he sees you questioning. And as soon as you say, oh, I don't know if I want to get too deep. Get involved. Life group. Church on Wednesday. Discipleship. Oh, the devil checks you out too. And you go, oh, there's a doubt. They roll that little sin in. That's when it comes. I see it. I've seen it tens of thousands of times by now. It's right there. It's rolled into your life. Huh? See, when sin comes, one's ability to assess spiritual resources, to begin to grab spiritual resources, to put up a defense, vanishes. The very thing you need is to get deeper into God because sin is, is put in, because you're pulling back from God. The very thing you need, you can't even grab now because you're pulling back from God. You got, if you want to grab what you need, you got to pull closer to God, not back. So sin is the noise that interrupts our communication with God. Can you hear me now? God, God, are you there? Can't hear you. No, you were getting loaded. What? You were with Scary Mary. What are you trying to say? God, God, I need your help. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Lance for man has been doing something. And now you want God to answer your prayer. And then God doesn't answer your prayer, and you get mad at God or, or Pastor Al. It's not my fault. I'm trying to hip you right now. Right? What is hip? Tell me, tell me, if you think you know. Right? What is hip, right? I'm trying to hip you right now. I'm trying to tell you, this is, this is the deal. This is what happens. It's very obvious, very simple to see. Sin. See, without a dedicated line, all you'll get is noise. In and out, in and out, in and out. See, the psalm, the opening scripture, the, 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 the psalmist wrote, come listen. He's telling, he's like he's preaching to people. Look, come listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Come listen. Can you hear me? And the writer says, I cried out with my mouth. 
His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. So that tells me, although David sinned, made mistakes, he did not cherish it. He, 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 was, he was sorrowful. Not, not a worldly sorrow. He was sorry that he hurt God. He had repented. So he didn't cherish him. He sinned, but he made mistakes. And he added up to it. He paid this price. His family suffered for it. He said, and, and, and listen, if you're going to sin, your family will suffer. And don't expect God to, poof, your family's better. No, you got to go through what you got to go through. But you got to be, you got to woman up, man up, and take it until you get it right. You're going to reap what you sowed. David reaped what he sowed because of his sin, but, but he didn't cherish his sin. God raised him up and made him a man of God on his own heart. Most people give up. And I understand that because sometimes it's hard to be in that mess. Hello, anybody been there? See, three items in our opening in Scripture. I cried out to God with my mouth. That means we must be vocal towards God. God, in your prayers, speak up. Ask him what you need. Tell him what you're going through. And then the second thing, God's praise was on my tongue. In the middle of his trial, in the middle of his tribulation, he praised God. That's what I mean when people come. We have a great worship team. They're playing music, and they're into it, and people are into it. And you always see one or two people like this. I go, what's wrong? Go over there and slap that brother. What's wrong? They don't even know we're trying to worship God at all. Right, and then, then you want God to answer your prayer. Are you kidding me? So you have to learn a few things. No matter what you're going through, who you're mad at, God is still worthy of praise. So just because you're mad doesn't give you, an, well, God, I have my mad ticket. I'm not worshiping today. Because if I worship today, somebody might think I'm not mad, and I need to prove to everybody that I'm mad. Better worship God. David says, his praise was on my tongue. Tongue, tongue. Pope, please, I pray, I pray, I pray right here. Liar. Huh? Then the third thing says, if I had cherished sin, it's sin that will separate you from your call. Sin will separate you from your place in God. And you have a place in Christ. So let's look at the root of noise. Noise, sin. Our society is so sin-laden even the bizarre is justified. It's bizarre. We're having a cultural war, right? And I'm saying this is a joke, right? Where one side is so in love with their guns, they got machine bazookas, everything, right? And the other side are still deciding which bathroom to use. What kind of a society are we living in, right? In, in New York, several years ago, this estimate, the estimate has probably gone up. New York City spends a million dollars a year for estrogen. Now, we would say estrogen. Why? They're spending a million dollars a year for estrogen on its male prison inmates who want to become a female. This is where we live, it's our country. Oh, and if you say something bad about that, you're a bigot. I call a fool a fool. That is crazy. 
But that's what we're living. And then we have kids living in this and society trying to convince them that it's okay. It is not okay. It's wrong. Sin. And the psalmist said, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Now you can see the tactic of the devil. If I can throw out sin and make it seem like it's okay, no one will have a prayer answered. And I've heard Christians say, well, if somebody wants to have their type of sex in their bedroom, it's their responsibility. The Bible says if you know sin and don't call out, that sin becomes yours. That's what it says. So you want to pray to God? You better get rid of sin. Because sin hinders communication. Now that doesn't mean you go chase around every LBGTABCDEFG around and tell them. No, that doesn't mean. But when it comes your way, you have to speak truth in love. That's it. Amen? It's truth in love. And then live life. You don't chase them around. Try to prove a point. Have a sign out there. We're not called to hold signs out there and prove our point. No. We're called when we meet people and they question, they ask. You tell them the truth in love. Amen? So if I regard, think about it. That regard means raha in the original language. To see, approve, consider, discern, enjoy, experience. Sin makes communication between you and God sound like distortion. The cycle of sin. And distortion doesn't always mean you don't hear him. You know, it's worse when you hear or you think you hear, but you're not really hearing what they're saying. See, I have a, since my operation, when I was in the hospital for 40 days, I have a 25% hearing loss. And sometimes you'll say things to me and I think I hear you. And in my mind, I'll interpret what you said. And that's not what you said. So, but I thought I heard you. My, my line of communication, my hearing is off. It's distorted. It's not, the, it's not God's fault. It's not the sayer who's speaking. It's my, I can't hear right. Communication. Right? Right? What was that, what was that, um, that one um, thing I seen the other day? Uh, uh, pop goes the weasel, right? Well, I actually thought I said beans and chorizo. My communication was off, amen? But it's pop goes a weasel. Right? Sin, the cycle of sin. See, sin creates noise, decreasing communication, which causes more sin. Huh? Isaiah 59, 1 through 4 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your inequities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his faith from you so that he will not hear. So he wants to hear, but your sin about to hide his faith for you so he won't hear. So do you have a dedicated line? So if we're going to find out who God is and really improve our life, and I'm speaking to myself, we have to have a dedicated line. Dedication is measured by time spent. When you're dedicated, when you're in training, you know, when I was younger and I was going to double services, or double sessions rather, or or train extra hours, train every day instead of every other day, train every day, do this muscle group, that muscle group, this muscle group, these legs, uh, and just train your training, train why? Because you're in, you're in training and you're trying to get stronger. Time, but it takes time, and that type of training takes dedication. Are you dedicated to reaching God? See, many people spend too much time 
not dedicated their time to God, but too much time in sin. And sin is not the same for everybody. No. You know, and I've heard this big lie. The biggest lie, don't even believe it. People have said, well, pastor, you know, sin is sin. No, it's not. Sin is not sin. There's different types of sin. There's a sin in the body. There's a sin out of the body. Listen, if I shoot you in the head, that'll hurt a lot more than if I shoot you in the foot. Different sin. No, sin is not sin. There are different levels of sin. Hmm? So, sin hinders communication. It activates our evil desire. Romans 6, 12 reads, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not, for, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. What does that mean? Let's get deeper. What does that mean? See, I'm afraid to sin because I'm afraid of my evil desires. So whatever sin is around, and there might be little tiny things, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. Because it, that little sin, that little itsy bitsy teeny weeny, oh look at how cute! You know, sometimes sins look real cute too. Oh, look at how cute that little cute little sin, right? That little cute sin turns into a big old ugly monster. So I'm so afraid of my ugly monster, I don't. I kill that little sin. I don't care how cute it looks. It may be smiling at me with a you know twinkling eye. I'll just sin. Why? Because that little sin will unleash the evil monster. Uh, evil monster in me. It's in there, right? Imagine being, think about, let's use your imagination for a second. Imagine being uncontained. There's nothing that would stop anything that enters your mind to do. What would happen? Now, except for a few Virgin Marys, the rest of us, all hell would break loose. Eventually, Right? See, sin wants to come in. If this doesn't bring fear to you, then you're in danger. Because sin wants to make you its slave. Romans 6.16, let me read that. It says, Do, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to whom you obey. Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or obedient. See, sin left, left unchecked leads to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we should never take sin lightly. That's my point. And Mo, I'm going to tell you something about preaching a message like this. Most pastors don't speak on sin in church. Well, you know why? Because it doesn't make people feel good. And you know why it doesn't make people feel good? Because most people are sinning. And pastors don't want to chase people out of the church. So they don't talk about it. And I am more concerned with chasing you into heaven than chasing you out of the church. That's what I got to do. Chase you to heaven. Now, again, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. We, we start off earlier. We know that sin is there and it's going to mess with us and we're going to blow it. That, but that's not the end of the game. If you blew it just before you walked the door, if you blew it yesterday, that's not the end of the game. You're still here. So that tells me in your heart, you do not cherish it. You did it. But you don't cherish it. You're struggling with it. It doesn't make you feel good. It might make you feel good initially, like, oh, I felt good. But right after that, you go, why did I do that? Anybody been there? Or just me? Why? That tells me you don't cherish it. 
So you're on the right track. You're on the right path. You can't give up the fight. Because sin left unchecked will kill you. It will. I think what's happened in this, you know, climate we have. We live in the climate. You know, the climate of the snowflakes. You guys know what the snowflake is, right? Everything's got to be said properly. Everything's got to be politically correct. Oh, you can't talk like that. (gasps) You have a potty mouth. Right? In the climate of the snowflake, our obsession with self-esteem is so high that sin is sugar-coated. Sin is sin. Sin will kill you. Sin will do you in. Sin will rape your daughter. Sin will kill your son. They'll OD on the street corner. They'll get shot in the head. Sin is sin. It's not nothing to be sugarcoated. First hmm? Timothy 1.12, you can turn it if you want to. But Paul is writing to his disciple, Timothy, and he goes, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. He considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though, here he goes, even though I was formerly a blasphemer. In other words, he talked about God. And a persecutor, he persecuted the church. And a violent aggressor, he was present when a Stephan, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death. There in Jerusalem, Paul was there and helped initiate it. Even though he did all these things, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly, ignorantly in unbelief. Ignorantly in unbelief. And oftentimes we do things because we're, we don't know what we're doing. We don't have this we think you're fooling thinking that sin is the best you can get. And that's not the best. It's just a temporary fix. Like any fix, you're going to come down. Hmm? So what makes this verse so timely, it demonstrates how the doctrine of grace is impossible unless we accept the doctrine of sin. Sin is sin, but grace is available. Hmm? See, God showed his love to us that while we were sinners, Christ died on the cross. That's how he showed his love. He knew who he he was dying for. He knew he was dying for people who liked to sin. But he died anyway. Not one of us without sin. No, not one. Paul admits that he was the biggest of sinner of them all. He named himself a blasphemer, a man of violence. See, the best we can do for our lives is expose sin in our lives. That's the best we could do. I do this, God, help me. I do this. Begin to expose it. Talk to God. Spend some time in communication and tell him what you're doing. You don't have to tell me. God's better than he can handle you better than I can. Tell him what you're doing. Be honest with yourself. Don't lie. Stop lying to yourself. Some people are dumb. They lie to themselves. Are you kidding me? Be honest with yourself between you and the Lord and watch how God begins to change your heart. Begin to put you in the right path. He'll begin to answer your prayers. Why? Because he knows you're not dedicated to sin. You're dedicating to him. You're not committed to that. You despise that sin. That's why you're confessing it to him. You're asking God, I need your help. Hmm. Ephesians 5.11 reads, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So when I read that, I go, oh, I'm not the only one. Paul says the same thing. Paul was preaching to the Ephesian church what I'm preaching you to you right now. Confession is good for the soul. 
We have to express, uh, expose sin. If we don't expose sin, then we become sin's ally. You're either a friend of sin or a friend of God. As I'm coming in for a landing, there's a couple of causes of, of, of noise. Like I said, I used to work on photocopiers. Before I worked on photocopiers, I was an infrared missile technician. I used to blow up tanks, and that was pretty cool. Right? But we had to make sure everything was right, the electricity, the amperage, because you're firing a missile. And if you missed a tank, and the tank, no, that, that was one thing. If you shot, you had to hit. Because if you missed, it was going to hit you. So we had to be right on. We had to make sure this is right. Right? Cause of noises. First, overloading. Overloading. Overloading is like plugging too many devices into an outlet. You know, I think a while back my wife said, there's something wrong with the outlet. Why? It keeps, boom. It keeps breaking a circuit. No, there's nothing wrong with the outlet. I'll go, so as I investigated, we had a, uh, a 1600 watt um, heater plugged in in one outlet, and then we had a 1600 watt air conditioner plugged in another outlet, and they were tied together. That's called overloading. <laughs> you can't do that. So the circuit breaker would break. Boom. I go, there's something plugged in somewhere we don't know. And in my house, it's kind of crazy because the outlets make no sense. A plug up here could be, it's tied to a plug way down here. Like, what the heck? How, who, who did this? Somebody in 1970 was doing LSD or something because these things didn't work right. I go, who, who does this? And we had to fix it. It was overloaded, right? Too many problems, I call that. What hinders prayer? Too many problems. Maybe you're a drama queen or a drama king. You know those people who just love drama. They, they start drama. They love drama so much, they don't even watch soap operas because they are the soap opera. Right? Drama, drama, drama. See, too many dramas, too much drama in your life is overloading your circuit. You can't hear God when you have all that drama. You got to cut it out. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares. You, you, know, you know drama. Relationship problems, lack of communication. We work-related problems because they're lazy and disrespectful. Money problems because they're tight and they don't tithe. Well, so we need to stop causing our own drama, our own problems. Why? Because you're overloaded. And because you're overloaded, you can't, it's hard to pray, pray to God. You get on your knees, you try to pray to God, and all, you, all you're hearing is about is your drama. Oh, I'm going to get that, sister. Who you tell you? Oh, that brother's going down. He's going down. He's going down. Right? You, you, you're already singing. Right? See, most spiritual problems have their cause and solution tethered to tithing. If you have a... I, this is the first thing I do. I'm going to move on along. But when people come to me for marriage counseling, they're having problems, the first question I ask them, I ask them, are you tithing? And if they say no, that's your problem. Go, go somewhere else, start tithing, and then come back to me. Because your, your problem gets fixed. But right now, you've broken your communication with God. I'm a man of God. I can't bring God into your family. Can't. Because you're not in line with his principle. So people look at me like, well, they're talking to me. No, I'm just telling you, it ain't going to work. If you want God in your, in your marriage, if you want God in your relationship, then you better start doing what God says. So most problems are tethered to your inability or desire to not tie. Drama queen or king, right? See, many want God's inter intervention. Many want God's intervention without involvement. You can't have God's intervention unless you're involved. 
And let me tell you, I don't care how many candles you go and light, they don't work. Okay, you can light all kinds of candles. It doesn't work. You have to get involved with God for God to be involved with you. Can somebody say amen? So, it's a letter. It's a true letter. A letter complaining about the church's asking for tithe. It drew a response from Bob Whitmore of Eugene, Oregon. Tithe, entitled, Is the Church Costing Too Much? Great letter. But let me share an experience with you. On June 2nd, a little girl was born to us. She cost us money from the moment she was born. As she grew from babyhood to girlhood, she cost even more money. Her dresses and shoes were more expensive. And we had to have the doctor walk her through all those childhood diseases. She was even more expensive during her school and, and teen years. She decided she needed long dresses to go to parties. And when she went to college, we discovered, along with all the other parents, that all the college expenses are not listed in the catalog. Then, after graduation, she fell in love and married. She was married in a church wedding, and that too cost a lot of money. Then, five months after her marriage, she suddenly sickened, and within a week, she was dead. She hasn't cost us a penny since that day we walked away from her grave. And as long as the church is alive, she will cost you money. And the more alive the church is, the more money she will cost. Only a dead church, like a dead child, is no longer expensive. Second thing that will hinder your communication is low power. We call that a brownout. I should complain and say that's racial. We'll be talking about brown. But I understand it's a brownout. Amen? What do I mean by brownout? You're low power. You're in church. You tithe. You're here. But you have a little bit of disobedience in you. You know, you know that little cartoon where you're, 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 you're sitting down, listening, but you're standing up disagreeing in the spirit. Right? You see, and, you, and you, you suffer from low power. You're disobedient to leadership. Thus, you're disobedient to God. You have a, an, an uncanny ability to quench the Holy Spirit because as God begins to speak to you and challenge you, you don't like the challenge. And you say, no, I'll do this and I'll do that, but that's getting too deep. So you, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not a blackout. You, you, you're not overloaded. You just have low power. First Thessalonians 5.18 reads, Giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Quenching the Holy Spirit. So we're called to give thanks in all situations. It is the attitude of gratitude that keeps God's fire burning. There are seasons where you're going to feel like this, this ain't right. But you can't go by that feeling. You got to stick to the reason why God called you the first place. I, I had some a very uncanny ability, I, I guess. I don't know where I got it ultimately from God. But nobody taught it to me. But I knew the day I came in, I was going to stay. And every time I struggle, I go back to the day I re-experienced, re the day I walked in. 
I re-experienced it and say, this is how I felt when I got here. And these people helped me. I didn't know Pastor Steve. I didn't know Sister Joe. I didn't know none of these people in this church. But they helped me and got me through. And here I am 10 years later. I go back to that same experience. I, this is how I felt when I got here. These people helped me. And then 20 years later, I go back to that same day. This is how what I felt when I got here. And every time I go through a trial and I feel like browning out, I go back to that first day. When I walked in, because nobody else wanted to help me. Nobody cared about me. It was Victor Average that opened the door. That's why I go back to it every time. Nothing magical, nothing supernatural. It's, to me, it's very practical. It makes common sense. There was a reason why I came in the first place. Why do I want to, why do I want to leave now? Because someone hurt my feelings? Because I, I, I don't feel right? If that's you, you have not been praying. You don't have a dedicated line. You have too many things making noise, and you can't figure out what God is trying to tell you. Huh? The last thing, bad input. If you're old like me, it's like having a warped old VCR tape. If you're real old, it's like having an A-track where you got to put a matchbook underneath it to lift it up so it'll work. You guys don't know about that one, huh? <laughs> Right? Right? A little later on, you could talk. It's like having a scratch DVD. Some of you don't even want a DVD. Listen, for this generation, it's like having a bad file. It's corrupted. And that bad file, invariably, when you boil it down, boils down to pride. Bad input. Thinking you're something you're not. So the input of pride must be cleaned out of the line. Right? Pride. Got to get that out of here. Because people, pride will burn you. Some people are so, think so much of themselves, they've actually done what I'm going to read right now. I don't know who's done this. If you've done it here, God bless you. We love you still. Some predatory printing companies, predatory printing companies, have devised a way to profit from the public's pride. Writers are invited to submit their original poem for publication. So you can submit your poem. Roses are red, violets are blue, right? Writers are invited to submit their original poem for publication. The winning entries are then included into an anthology of famed American poets. The winners soon discover they won the obligation to purchase a copy of the printed anthology at $30 a copy. So, the 4,000 submitted poems bring in a minimum of 4,000 guaranteed purchases at a tidy profit of $120,000. So you have this big old anthology, American poets that don't even know it. And you put your poem in there, and you're so proud, you go, man, my poem's in that anthology. And you buy one. Well, there's 4,000 people just like you. And these people could care less. They're just playing on your pride. And they've just made $100,000 on printing a $4 book. Pride. That's a, that's a predatory practice. It happens today. Somebody, I just got some one thing. They go, Al Loma, you have just been recognized as 500 of the 500 most recognized Americans in the country. And you can be put into Americans, some kind of dumb book. I go, oh, that's what this guy was talking about, right? I started cracking up. I go, man, 
And some people fall for it. For the, for the tidy side uh, sum of $29.99, we go put your name into this book as America's most notable people. Dun, 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 dun. 120G on pride. Bad input, lies. See, truth exists, only falsehoods have to be invented. Truth is truth. The truth is completely spontaneous. Lies have to be taught. And the last one of input is bad advice. Unbiblical. Today, an entire generation has just enough Bible knowledge to confuse them, not enough to set them free. Unspiritual advice. Without application of God's word, advice is tainted. When somebody tells you this is what you should do, and they're living in sin, that advice, my friend, is tainted. Don't listen to people like that. And then lastly, bad advice, unspiritual. Without application of God's word, advice is tainted. Unreliable, without proper testing of those who offer advice. Without proper testing of those who offer advice. Advice is unreliable at best, at worst, rooted in witchcraft. And you know what I'm talking about. Advice. You know there are some Christians that get their morning paper or their weekly Sunday paper and they open it up and they go right to cancer. Today you shall. Right? They think of the floaters. Float, float on. Float on, float on. My name is Charles and I'm a Libra. If you are subject to that type of advice, and I say that because it's very common for half the church to do that. They have that tattooed on their arm. Some demonic symbol. I'm a Sagittarius. No, you're not. You're a child of God. You're a holy person. You're not a Libra, Cancer, the Aries, or whatever they are. Those are foreign gods. The God of Aries. I mean, I can, I can tell you what these gods are. Just to offend you, you're putting, these are foreign gods that you're claiming as your leader. Bad advice. And then, after you read the paper, you close it, then you say, God, would you please answer my prayer? There's noise, distortion, confusion. Psalm 6 and 6, the opening scripture. Come and listen, all who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth, his praise on my tongue. If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. See, to ensure that we have good communication, we need a dedicated line. Oh, so we have to recognize who we are and that we need help. We have to reevaluate our walk and dedicate our life and stop playing church. We need to recommit. Recommit your life to Jesus. Really give your life to Jesus. If we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. So I'm going to say this I declare, don't leave today without, with any guilt. You can't leave here with guilt. Today could be your victory. And I'm asking, I'm going to pray for those that allow me to help them restore their dedicated line to God. The altars are open.